each week I'm looking at what should I, I do and I like to challenge myself and preach from or, and teach from a passage that I haven't got to preach from before. And a lot of times it's a certain passage that I have adored for a long time I've been fascinated with and I get to share that with you tonight. Before I get to that, make a little bit of application first to, to introdu- introduce the scripture and the points that Christ and the things that he has to say to us from the gospel of John. The first question I want you to think about is this. Do you resemble your parents? You look like them. Yeah, and you see that. You might see it in your behavior. You might see it in your mannerisms. You see it in your genetics, characteristics about you. And so when I think about that and resembling my parents, um, I'm glorifying them. I'm representing them. And I want to think about that word of glorifying tonight. Now, I want you to think about this too. Do you behave like anybody in your past who's a mentor or a teacher? Someone who trained you, someone who educated you, you, you followed their example, you may not realize it. I think about that. I think about the preacher I grew up listening to, and I thought, this is the best preacher ever. And uh, besides Christ, the apostles, of course. And I would listen to him and all the scriptures he would quote, and I thought, if I could preach, I want to do it like he did. And I don't know if I'd do it like he does anymore. But that's how I started. Because I looked at that. I look at those examples. And you might think of others, of people that you resemble their behavior and you've looked up to them. And um, maybe you're those in your family. And what you do is you're essentially glorifying them. You're reflecting their impression upon you. The passage I want us to look at tonight is John chapter 17. John 17. And this is the Lord's prayer on the night of which he would be betrayed. And he says this prayer in the presence of his apostles to make an impact on them for them to carry for the rest of their life. This prayer got a hold of me a long time ago. I want to say it was about 18 years old. And I'm kind of ashamed I didn't know of it before then. But reading John 17, I read it and I, and I read it and I looked at it and I said, Jesus is praying for me. He's praying for me. And you'll see that tonight. So John 17 is what we're going to look at. I want to start in verses 1 through 5. And we'll make some applications here. And just verses 1 through 5 are just amazingly powerful to look at what Christ has to say here. And it gives me great joy to be able to present it to you. So look at verses 1 through 5. Then Jesus has spoken these words. And so if, if you know John 14 through 16, you know all the instruction that Jesus is preparing his disciples for, giving them the promise that the Holy Spirit is going to come and guide you into all truth. And so Jesus has spoken these words and he lifted up his eyes to heaven. Can you picture that? He lifted up his eyes to heaven and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. First of all, let's... Listen in what Jesus is asking there. Jesus is requesting God to say, glorify me, present me to the world, and that I may present you. And so the example of Christ, what he is, is the glorification of his heavenly father to the world. And this is what he's praying for. 
And that glorification, if you know the rest of the Gospel of John, is going to come ultimately in his death and resurrection. And it's throughout his whole life that he's been proclaiming who he is and teaching the world that God has sent me. That's what he says. I look at verse 2. He says, since you have given him authority over all flesh. Christ is all authority. He's going to judge. He says, to give eternal life to all whom you have given me. Christ is that authority, the ability to give eternal life. That's why he wants to glorify the Father and wants the Father to glorify him. Keep reading verse 3. And this is eternal life. Fascinating scripture here. This is eternal life. What is eternal life? That they know you, the only true God. And how are they going to know him? For the glory that is presented in Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ whom you have sent. It says, this is eternal life, that you know the true God and you know Jesus Christ whom God has sent. Verses 4 and 5. I glorified you on earth. I glorified you on earth. How do you do that? Think about that. Having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Well, that's how he did it. By the works, by the wonderful things Jesus did and the words that he taught, glorified God in verse 5. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. What does that tell you about Jesus? God, glorify me the glory I had before the world existed. Well, how would that happen? That would happen with Christ at the right hand of God. With His name carrying on through all the scope of history. We continue to see the glory of Christ. That's why I love Him and adore Him and I believe in Him and I trust in Him. I like that I see the glory of God in Jesus Christ. This is what draws us to Jesus. This is what makes His words and His teaching so powerful. And why is it has such an effect upon us? So, amazing thoughts just right there in the beginning. But I want you to think about and look at what he, Jesus prays for next. So he prays for the glorification of himself and God. And who's the benefit and blessing of that? It is for us, those who know God, know Christ, to have eternal life. And then Jesus prayed for his disciples. And he's going to pray for his disciples now. His apostles that he's sending out into the world. And then he's going to pray for disciples to come by hearing about the words of the apostles. And when I read that, if you go down to verse 20, you see that. And I remember Christ, his prayer there for those who would believe by the words of the apostles. And I said, that's me. Jesus prayed for me. We'll come to that some more in a moment. But Jesus prayed for his disciples. And in John 17, verse 6 through 13, we read this. 17, 6 through 13. He says, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Notice who his people are, those who have kept his word. Christ has accomplished his mission. Look at verse 7. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me, and I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world. But for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. That's an interesting distinction there. Of Christ saying, I'm not praying for the world, but I'm praying for them right now. Praying for those that you've given me, who've heard my word, who've kept it. Keep reading verse 10. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. So 
That's something to think about right there. Jesus says in the very beginning, I glorify God. And here we have the disciples glorifying, resembling Jesus. Wow, because they kept the word. And so I want you to think about this, that everyone in here who confesses faith in Jesus Christ, you're a glorification of Jesus. You uphold His Word. You show the world the glory of Jesus, and therefore you show the glory of God. You show the, And when I think about glory, I think about the rays of light that come down from heaven. Think about the rays that come down through the clouds, that come down from the sky, that come through the trees. Those rays of light that illuminate all everything that we see. As we see the glory of the sun in that. And when we look at the world, we're seeing, if through, through the perspective of Jesus' words, we see the glory of God in everything. We have a different view of the world than, the, than, the, than what the world has. Those who are separated from Christ. And that's something to think about and something we want to make sure that we apply I think about it very personally. When I look at certain, when I watch a football game, when I watch sports, when I watch TV, I have a different perspective of those things than the world has. Why? Because I'm looking through it from the view of the glory of Christ, and the glory of God and His Word. So back to the text here. Jesus says, all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me, and I guarded them. And not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. There's so much there in that little passage. But I notice this, that no one can glorify God without glorifying Christ. And no one can glorify Christ without glorifying His words. In other words, without resembling Him and holding them and living by them. And this Bible tells us that if we don't honor the Son, then we don't honor the Father. But we do honor Jesus Christ, and therefore we honor the Father. John 5 and verse 23. I think about the purpose and the things that Jesus is saying here. And he, and he also is talking about the oneness. He says, I want them to be one. I want them to be united. I want them to be united in the name of Christ. There's a reason why our sign up front bears the name Church of Christ. Why we're called Christians? Because we identify ourselves with Christ. We bear that name. And we give glory to Jesus in doing that. Just a, a thought here as I was thinking through this. I was thinking about those who don't honor the Son. Or don't honor the Father. And Jesus and God, that is. How would you honor a father of a fallen hero, a hero who died for his country, without honoring what he died for? I don't think you could. I, I don't think you could say, I respect what your son did for the country, but I don't believe what the country stands for. Is there any honor in that? And so when I... When I honor Jesus Christ and I worship my Father in heaven, it has to be because I believe in Him, I trust in Him, and I believe in all the gospel. I believe in what Jesus did and what He stood for and who He is. I could also say that if someone hates those who are patriotic Americans, most likely would 
be hateful toward the founding fathers. Don't like what they say. Don't honor it. Don't respect it. And not going to honor those who are who believe in it. I want you to look at this, verses 14 through 19. Here we get a picture of Jesus' warning. I guess you could say it's a warning. He's just telling them the truth here. Verse 14, he says, I've given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. And this is something very important. If you're a Christian and you have faith of Christ in you and you believe in God, you're not of the world. This is the idea that comes along with being holy. We are consecrated and set apart. It is the word of God that sanctifies us, which we're coming up on that verse in a moment. Keep listening. Verse 15. He says, do not ask. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Christ says, I want them separate from the evil one. Well, does Christ now today have disciples who are separate from the evil one, that are separate from the people of the world? Yes, that's the church. There's the believers. Look at verse 16. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. And this is what I, I know from reading what Jesus is saying here. He's talking about being sanctified. That means to be made holy and distinctly set apart. Look at verse 17. You know this verse. John 17, 17. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is true. Okay, so the truth, the reality of which we perceive the world is what makes us different. It makes us different. And if you find that your thinking aligns more with the world, but you're, you're still clinging and hungering, thirsting for righteousness and looking to Christ, then I would encourage you to go back to the Scriptures and read. Prayerfully read the Bible. Think about what Jesus has said to us. Look at verses 18 and 19. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. And he says, as you sent me in the world, I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself. Wait a minute. How can Jesus consecrate himself? What does that mean? Jesus is saying, I set myself apart. I sanctify myself. I make myself holy. Well, how can God make himself? God can't be any more holy. How can Jesus consecrate himself and make himself holy? This is the one verse that had me thinking for a second. And then I'm looking at the full context and I know exactly what Jesus is saying here. He says, for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in the truth. In other words... I set myself apart from the world by the truth so that I am not like the world, so that they'll be like me. As this is what God wants for his people. He wants us to stand out for the world. If we don't do that, then we're not glorifying God. The world's not seeing a resemblance of Jesus in us when we don't do that. All right, let's make some application of this because there's a lot of abstract thoughts in here. So it's good to get some pictures and some scenarios, something to think about. So a rare knowledge will set you apart from from other people. All right, you think about this. If you have a training that most other people don't have, you're set apart from them. If you have an education that most people don't have, you're set apart from them. If you have an experience in your life, and most of us have some unique experience in our life, you're set apart from others. Others just don't know what it's like. And as a Christian... You have training and education and experience with Christ that the world does not have. So you should look different. There's a different radiance about you, a different way of living. And you might be thinking, well, am I lacking that? And I don't think anybody in here, 
um, is not giving the glory of Christ. But even more so, I'm encouraging you to do even more. Think about the words of Jesus here and what He's saying. He's saying, live in My Word and know the truth because this is what's going to set you apart. Think about it all the time. Study it and prayerfully go through what, what Jesus has taught, what He has reflected about God. It's the knowledge of Christ that gives us a basis of reality. It's the light of the glory of Christ that illuminates the world around us so that we know good and evil. We know what is right and wrong. More so than that, we know what is from God and we see God's goodness and we look forward to eternal life. Before we finish tonight, let's conclude the prayer of Christ here in John 17, 20 through 26. All right? This is that shocking part of the text that just struck me many years ago, and it still does. All right, look in verses 20 and 21. Jesus says, I do not ask for these only. He says, I'm not just asking for my apostles and my disciples now. He says, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Well, that's it. I read the Bible. I read the writings of the apostles and I believe through their word. And what's he praying for them about? Well, if we're set apart from the world and we're glorifying God in the way that we live in the truth, that's also something that makes us one and unites us. So look at verse 21. This is what Jesus prays for, for the church, for us, for this generation, for those who are coming on after us, that they may be one. That they may be one. That's a great way to find unity. It's in the truth of God's Word. There is no unity among believers who are not glorifying God and basing what they believe in, on the Word of God. There is nothing. And if we're connected to the world, there's going to be a lot of fractions. You know, churches that have division, it's usually division is because one part of the congregation or both parts of the congregation are clinging to the world and not to the Word. So it says that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. How? Because they have the same glory and the same truth. For they also may be in us and that the world may believe that you have sent me. And so what is Jesus saying? He says, I want through my disciples and for the ones to come that the world may look at what we represent, what we stand for and believe. Why? Because they're united in the truth. They're united in presenting and demonstrating the world who Christ is. And that way the world may believe. Verse 22. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. You know, we have that. We have the glory of Christ. It's been given to us by Christ for us to, to do that, to manifest it to others, to show it to the world around us, to be a light in the world. It says that they may be one as we are one. And so it's again based upon that glory that we shine a light in the world that unites us. Verse 23, I in them and you in me that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and I love them even as, as you love me. Christ loves us. Verse 24, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. And so Christ is concluding here and saying, I want them to see my glory eternally. I want them to have eternal life and to be with me forever. Verse 25, O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, 
and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love of which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. And so Christ concludes his prayer. There's no amen at the end. There's no in Jesus' name or anything. Of course, how would he? I guess he was already praying in his name and by his authority. But the last thing he wants is that, again, he mentions that the love of God that's in Christ be reflected in us. It's a beautiful prayer. And tonight, if some of this went over your, your, your head or thinking and went in one area out the other, go back and read it again. Look at John 17. It's always been an amazing prayer. As I'm thinking about the application of this, the mission of the glory of Christ, you ever tried out for a team? You ever tried to join a club or a group? You ever chosen a school? What do you look for in that when you're associating yourself with another group of people? You're trying to see, like, do they resemble me and can I resemble them? When I look at the schools I wanted to go to, when I looked at Fried Hardeman and Faulkner, I looked at them and I saw the glory of Christ. I saw these are Christian schools and they are representative of Christ. And I want to share in that. I want to part in that. And help us a little bit more as we think about this, that we are to be made known and to be known by the name of Christ. Beautiful things that we read here, given to us from Jesus, his prayer and blessing upon his disciples and upon us now. And I thank God for it. If there's anyone here tonight that needs to obey the gospel, you need prayers and encouragement, we hope that you will do what's right, that you are convicted by the word of God. You will repent of your sins and confess your faith and become a Christian, be baptized. If uh, you need prayers and encouragement, we encourage you. Let us pray with you. Let's stand and sing together.